0: Well, my question for you this morning as we get into our texts, Acts chapter 13, is this: If you had something, some product or service, something that you might think would benefit the world, what would you do to get the word out? Would you start an ad campaign? you know buy some time on Facebook, on the local on the local uh, TV stations, radio stations. When you start an ad campaign, maybe you launch a website. Launch a website, get it out there. Maybe a social media campaign, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of good stuff. Get your your product out there. Had an interesting uh, situation happen yesterday. I came to the church, I don't know, 8 o'clock in the morning, a little bit before 8, and uh, this happened. Uh, Three hot air balloons over Delaware Bible Church. Um, Some of them had advertisements written on the sides of the balloons. Would you do that? Would you pay for a hot air balloon to, to, to talk about whatever it is, your idea, your product, your service that could change the world? Or would you take two guys and send them out? Just two guys that you know and just send them and say, go tell everybody about this. It's interesting what we see going on in the early church. God is at work. The question that we're going to answer today is this, How is God working to get his message of salvation out to the world? And it's interesting uh, that it's interesting what we're going to see happening in the book of Acts and the church at Antioch and how God is going to begin to publish his message of salvation. To the wider world. The camera, if you will, of the book of Acts has now swung away from Peter and swung to the uh, Apostle Paul, or still called Saul in the book. And uh, what we're going to see in this text this morning is this very unusual way in which God is going to begin to send out people with the message of the good news of his son, Jesus Christ. Before we get too far down the road, because we're taking the Lord's table today, we're only going to cover three verses, so let's read them together. Let's stand and read uh, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Listen as I read. Now there were at the church in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, it's again, this is a turning point. This is the at the very beginning, the church kind of had its foundation in Jerusalem. But now, because mostly of persecution, it seems like the central location of the church is going to be Antioch. That's where a lot of the activity is going to take place. And um, really, this text breaks down into really two main ideas. There's what God is doing, and there's what God's people are doing. And so let's kind of look at it that way. First of all, we see what God is providing. God, first of all, is providing the manpower. The manpower. Look what it says in the text. There were, at the church of Antioch, prophets and teachers. And then there's a number listed. The number is five. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. There are a variety of different people listed. And what we're going to see is that god is going to take a few of these guys Paul, Saul and Barnabas and he's going to send them out but i want you to notice there's a couple of different things that we can take away from this text first of all we can see that the church in antioch is not going to be left destitute it's not going to be left without leadership without prophets and teachers there are there are still in fact a majority if there's five listed god is going to call two of them and send them away on a mission, and there's going to be three left. It's important for us to understand that God, our God, according to Philippians 4.19, will supply our needs. He's not going to give us a task to do and not give us the manpower or the resources to fulfill it. God doesn't always supply in the way that we think that he should, but he always supplies what we need when we need it. And the church at Antioch was not left without leadership. They had leadership there. And God did take from some of their leaders and send them. But I also want you to notice uh, some things about this manpower. This manpower is diverse. Um, it's diverse. So in the uh, text, we see that we have Barnabas. Uh, we, don't, we know that he's a Jewish guy, right? We have Simeon, who was called Niger. That word Niger, uh, in some translations, it's Simeon, who was called the black man. Niger in Latin means dark or black. Uh, very, very possible that he was from the African continent, and so probably was Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene was a was a um, uh, an African city. And so it's very possible that there's some diversity there. but also some maybe some socioeconomic diversity. meaning Saul, we know, he's the last one listed. Saul was a very, very educated man. Uh, came from Tarsus, uh, probably a man of some resources if his family was able to afford sending him to sit at the feet of Gamaliel and learn uh, everything about the Jewish religion, faith, language, so on and so forth. But then we also see this, this character, Menean. Menean, who was a lifelong friend. Some scholars believe that he was an adopted son of Herod the Tetrarch. Um, and if that's true, then he grew up within a royal family. He grew up uh, as a person of privilege and means. And yet, all of these guys have something in common. They've all been impacted. They've all been found by the Lord Jesus Christ and are now in a relationship with him and have abandoned. Saul has abandoned his previous teaching, right? He's a, uh, Manian has abandoned his perhaps privileged lifestyle of growing up around royalty. And some of these guys have abandoned their homes and now they're centrally located in the church of Antioch. They're they're diverse, and the Bible makes it very clear, right? Christianity is not a religion that belongs to a certain ethnic group or socioeconomic class. The Bible tells us in the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, that there's going to be people from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. It's important for us to remember that. But even here in the fledgling church in Antioch, we can see some, some diversity here. And not only that is some of these guys are unexpected. Like I said, Saul used to be a Christian hater, a Christian persecutor, a Christian murderer. Now he is being sent out to go make new followers of Jesus Christ. When God gets a hold of your life, he has a tendency to transform it. And Saul's life took a 180 degree turn. And then, as I've already mentioned, Manean grew up among royalty. Why would such a man, a man of wealth and privilege, I mean, after all, Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a wealthy man, a rich man, to enter the kingdom of heaven. And here we see Manean who has abandoned that lifestyle to be part of the church in Antioch. So God provided the manpower. He also provided the direction. Look what the text clearly says. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Listen. There are passages in the Bible that I read and I go, Couldn't you have given us just a little bit more detail, Lord? couldn't you have just added expounded on that maybe another sentence or two because here's what my brain tends to do as a kind of a linear thinker i say well maybe it's like the church today maybe maybe the church in Antioch was like the church today where we take a vote right and we take a vote to call a pastor and then we say well later on we say well the lord put that pastor in our in our church in our midst But what we mean by that is that the the people of the church that are filled with the Holy Spirit, they took a vote. It was a majority vote, let's let's hope. It was a majority vote, and and this guy became your pastor. And we say kind of in a roundabout way, the Lord called this guy into the ministry here. I don't know. I'm kind of breaking through that, and here's why I'm breaking through that. I'm saying to myself, Luke is an extraordinary, Luke's a doctor. He's, in a very, he's a very detail-oriented guy. He provides more detail in his gospel than any other gospel writer. Surely, if that's the way it, wor- it worked, Luke could have said, the church at Antioch took a vote, and in that way, the Holy Spirit called, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me, Paul and Barnabas. So I don't think that that was it. It is more likely that, these men, these prophets that are in the church in Antioch, remember, the church in Antioch doesn't have the New Testament. It hasn't even begun to be written yet, many believe. The New Testament, the Bible that we enjoy, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, those books that we enjoy and that we read and that we cherish, the the early church did not have. And so it could have been that the prophets that are mentioned in the very opening here verse 1 it says now there were in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers that these prophets were giving the church a word from the Lord or I mean because you could make the same argument perhaps uh, uh, Luke could have said that and the prophet spoke and said thus saith thus the Lord set apart for me Paul and Barnabas but all it says all we get as followers of Jesus, all we get is the Holy Spirit said. I read it in the Greek. You know what it says in the Greek? The Holy Spirit said. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So, here's my, here's my big profound point about that. I don't know. I know what I know, and that's this. The church understood that they were to send Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, and the church understood that this was a message from God himself. That's what I know. That's what we have to bank on. And Psalm 32 says that uh, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God, one of the things that we have a leg up on from the Church of Antioch. In other words, the Church of Delaware Bible Church has a leg up on the Church of Antioch in that we do have the New Testament. We we can read it, we can understand it, we can apply it to our lives. God's ways are often mysterious in how he calls someone into a specific ministry. We're all called, right, to faith in Jesus Christ, but how he calls a person into a specific ministry is often mysterious. You may be a lady sitting in the congregation today and you heard what Chris and Judy had to say and, and you may be feeling an urge to participate in that jail ministry. I would counsel you to explore that, to, to really uh, look into it, find out more, and let the Lord lead. Martin Luther was Martin Luther, that famous German reformer, He was studying to be a lawyer for his dad's mining business when he was on his way home from university to visit his family in the midst of a lightning storm, feared for his life, and said to the Lord, if you spare me, I will become a monk, a Catholic monk. God took Martin Luther out of the law business, put him in the Catholic monk business, and then... (laughs) and then set his mind to saying what the Pope is saying and what the Bible is saying don't really mesh. The church needs reformation. And in many ways, the reason that we're sitting here at Delaware Bible Church today, the reason that we believe the way we do is because God, in his mysterious way, took a law student, changed him into a Catholic monk, and then changed him into a Protestant reformer. can see it in my own life. I was an engineer, 10 years on the job, doing well, wasn't getting washed out, wasn't being told that I didn't know what I was doing, was doing fine. And God inexplicably uh, changed my life and moved me into full-time ministry. God works in mysterious ways, but he supplies the manpower and he supplies the direction. Thirdly, God supplies the community. Look at the church in Antioch here, right? What are they doing? They're worshiping the Lord. They're fasting. This is all happening in the in the presence of a community of believers, right? And I think the pandemic, I, I hope that the pandemic that we just endured helped you to see. It certainly opened my eyes to the reality that we need fellowship. We need community. Uh, it's utterly, utterly important for accountability so that we can stir one another up to ministry. Um, I, I think that I've seen it over and over in my life that when I try to do something on my own, I fail a lot more often, but when I do it in partnership with another or in a group, things get done much, much more effectively. And I also want to remind you of one thing, and I hope that this is encouraging to you this morning. That in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this to Peter, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I understand. I do look at the news. I don't live on the news, but I look at the news. I understand that the culture out there is a mess. I understand that there's all kinds of winds blowing, teaching our children and, and leading people into all kinds of lies and distortions of the truth. And I know that it's bad out there. But you know what I also know? That those fads, those, those really bad and evil beliefs that are out there in the culture today permeating in the lives of people brewing out there and causing all kinds of evil distortions will not stand. The thing on this earth that will stand, the thing that will never go away is the church of Jesus Christ. The gathering of His people To minister the truth of his word to all nations. That should be an encouragement to you. I pray that it is. So God provides his community. And God provides the calling, the calling. God had called these believers to their faith in Jesus Christ. That's their common calling. But God is also calling people for specific work. Uh, He says, set apart for me, Paul, Barnabas, and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Uh, If you read 1 Timothy 3 about the qualifications for elders in the church, you'll see that there's a component of that, right? There's a component of that that is, you know, if a man desires the work of an overseer, he desires a noble task. There's an internal desire in a person to serve. But there's also the rest of the qualifications that really have to be determined by the church. So there's an internal call and an external call to ministry. And I want to say, too, that there's, that, that same thing follows in the church, in, in the broad church. There's a, there's a desire to follow Jesus Christ, and then there's a recognition by the church that, yes, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, people don't baptize themselves. They're baptized into the church by someone who's a member of the church and you enjoy fellowship and membership in a local church because you've been recognized that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. This is all supplied by God. God asks us to walk and live our lives in a manner worthy of that, right? A manner worthy to which we've been called the footsteps of Jesus Christ. He's called us to a common faith and a common mission and each one of you, each one of us, play a role in that mission on this earth to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's what God provides, the manpower, the direction, the community, the calling. But what do we see in this text that God's people are doing? God's people are, first and foremost, worshiping, worshiping. We see the church in Antioch, while they they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. This is the attitude that they had. Folks, there's a lot of talk about worship in the church. There's a lot of misunderstanding about worship in the church, worship in our lives. Many folks believe, erroneously so, that we worship the Lord only when we gather ourselves in this place and sing songs, you know, make music with our voices to Him, singing theological words, theological truths. And yes, that is worship but worship is also living your life in light of the reality of who he is. You know, we all wake, we all, we're all born on this planet. We, we reach a certain age. We kind of come to an awareness of who we are. For a while, our parents, if we're blessed enough to grow up in a two-parent home, our parents or our parent shields us from the things that are going out in the world, tries to teach us the right way, tries to teach us language and our numbers and colors and everything like that. And teach us how to be polite and loving towards one another. But as we grow into childhood, as we go out into school, as we uh, live our lives, we, we soon find that the world is a broken place. It's a broken place because of sin. Ever since Genesis chapter three, when our first father and mother, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God and plunged the world into sin, that impact has been felt all around us. And we grow up and we see the brokenness of this world and we wonder what is going on and why are people so wicked and what what is happening and why do, why do I see that wickedness in my own heart when I want to retaliate against someone, when I want to call, use my words to tear someone down and not build them up. And eventually we come to the understanding if we ha- if we're blessed to have some Christian or some fellowship of Christians within our orbit, within our proximity, who shares with us that there is a God, that he created us, that he made us human beings in his own image, in his own likeness, that we were designed by him good to bring him glory, to rule over the earth, to subdue it, to cultivate it. But that something terrible happened and that mankind was plunged into sin because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve. And we've inherited that sin down through the generations. It's in our lives today. And left to our own devices, with that sin not being handled, our perfect holy God could not stand to be in our presence, and so we would be banished away from Him forever when we die to a place called hell. But God did not leave us there. That He sent His only Son, the only perfect, the only perfect one, the only human being that lived an absolutely flawless life which gave him, and only him, the ability to give his life in payment for our sin. And that's what he did. Sometimes today we'll have a leader that'll do something sacrificial, and we'll think, wow, that's unusual. But none of us have a leader who is perfect, who's never done anything wrong, who is 100% righteous, 100% pure in all their ways and motives, and that's who Jesus was, and he laid his life down in payment for our sin. Not only did he do that, he gave us his word, the Bible, so that we would know what He, how he wants us to live. Not only did he give us his word, not only did he lay his life down for us, he gave us the indwelling of the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, to take up residence in our lives and to convict us of our sin and to to point us in the right way. Not only did he give us himself in sacrifice for our sin, his word, not only did he give us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but he gave us each other, the church, to live and to have fellowship with one another for our encouragement and for our edification until the day when he returns. Not only did he give us all those things, but he gave us a mission, to make disciples of of Jesus Christ. In other words, to spread around this good news of Jesus Christ. And this this church in Antioch, fully aware of just how depraved and sinful they are, fully aware of the fact that their sins have been forgiven and all the burdens in their lives have been lifted, fully aware of the future that awaits them, are gathering themselves together in worship to our God. They understand that it's not just about gathering together and singing songs. It is as as Paul writes later in Romans 12, I appeal appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When you get up on Tuesday, because Monday's a holiday, and you go to work, the way you treat your co-workers is an act of worship. When you're gathered together with your family, And you've got crazy Uncle Bob, who always likes to bring politics and religion into everything and stir the whole family up against each other. The way you respond to Bob, crazy Uncle Bob, is an act of worship. All of life is an act of worship. That's what the church was doing. They were also fasting. Fasting, there's a lot of mysticism wrapped up in the practice of fasting. Let me just break it down for you really quick. Fasting is simply this. Taking some time that you would normally devote to preparing and eating a meal and instead devoting that time to some spiritual pursuit, to honoring God, perhaps listening to some good Christian music, perhaps meditating on his word, perhaps reading his word, or perhaps um, some other thing, doing a service for someone else in Jesus' name. It's not done for outward appearance. In fact, Jesus warned about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't don't let everybody, don't wear your I'm fasting today t-shirt, you know. But instead, make yourself look presentable, right? When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father... Who seeks in secret or reward you. In other words, the church in Antioch was worshiping the Lord. They were adoring him for all the things that they'd done, but they were also so pursuing him that they were willing to give up temporarily food for the purpose of seeking him. That's it. It's about that simple. Try it this week. You could take one of your lunch breaks and instead of devoting that to um, the Whopper and fries, uh, devote that to um, uh, reading God's Word prayer and some good Christian music, some edifying music. The church in Antioch was also praying. It's very clear in the text. They were praying. Uh, This is something that corporate church does often. Earlier in the previous chapter, the church in Jerusalem, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church, simply talking to God and asking him for what you need. And John 14 makes it very clear that we are to do that in Jesus' name. And then finally, the church was sending, was sending. When, when you are in fellowship with other believers, you naturally make friends. Some of those friends become close friends, lifelong friends, very intimate friends. Let me, let me get even more, let me get even more touchy here for just a minute when you form a life group to try to do life together within the church a small group that small group can become very close very tight, very intimate it can become very good and the idea sometimes of breaking someone or a couple or a small group off that life group and sending them to, to form a new life group can leave you going no, 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 no this is a good group. We're really growing here. Don't Let's not mess with this thing. This thing is good. It's working. Hear me now for just a second. I'm guessing, based on what we're going to see in the rest of the book of Acts, that Paul and Barnabas, sorry, Saul at this time, Saul and Barnabas were not the church troublemakers, that when the Holy Spirit said to the church, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them and, and send them away, the church wasn't in the back going, yes. The troublemakers are gone. They're probably more like saying, Paul? Barnabas? Lord, they're the best we got. I mean, they're gifted teachers. They're hard workers. We don't want to lose them. Send Simeon. Simeon's good. He's a good teacher, but eh, send Simeon. In other words, the church in Antioch lived their lives... And I would encourage us to do the same, to live our lives with an open hand. The time that we have in fellowship is good, it's sweet, it's, it's amazing. But when the Lord says, it's time to, Hey, it's time to start some new life groups. Hey, it's time to send some people out. Hey, it's time to plan another church down the road. We've got to be open-handed about it. And the church in Antioch was, they, they sent them. Remember our mission. Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We can argue about the strategy. They didn't seem to print flyers. They didn't do a social media campaign. They didn't buy advertising space on billboards as they walked from one city to the other. They sent two men, Saul and Barnabas. And what we're going to see in the rest of the book of Acts is a very prolific church-planting operation is undertaken. Why? Because you had people in obedience to God and God's will being done on the earth. In other words, God was in it and he allowed it to bear fruit. So the answer to the question this morning is this. The answer is, what's God doing to get his message out? God is working through his people. God is working through his people. What's God's plan? The church. Who's the church? We are. God is working through his people to literally... Save the world. To publish the good news of Jesus Christ to the entire world. So here's some things to think about as we we wrap up. Number one, do you understand the magnitude of the mission that you, yes, you, have been called to do? You're part of this if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Secondly, are you preparing yourself to step into a role so that others can go? When someone, a key player in the church is called by the Lord to get up and go, will, are you? what are you doing to prepare yourself to step into those shoes so that the church can continue here? And then, Uh, finally are you growing in your spiritual disciplines reading studying the word of god applying it to your own life prayer meditation on scripture um, and using the word of god to be a to build up others how are you doing in these areas